0: From the time I was born again in 1975, I heard people at church say, Oh, those sins are under the blood. Don't worry about them. Don't think about them. They're under the blood. One of our church women had an abortion before she was born again. Her husband wanted her to have the abortion. It was his child but he's the one who wanted the abortion. As she was en route to the abortion, she was hoping he would change his mind, but he didn't, and she went ahead and basically killed the child. And she told me, I know my sins are forgiven, but I can't stop thinking about that child that I killed. When we read... Of David, we're going to see some things, some good learning materials in the story of David. David was said to be a man after God's own heart, and yet he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then tried to cover up the fact that Bathsheba was having a child of him because He tried to send first Uriah back to her house so that people would think the baby was Uriah, her husband's baby. But Uriah was such an honorable man that when David tried to send him home from the war, he wouldn't go. He said, no, I can't do this thing because the children of Israel are fighting the enemy. How can I be at home enjoying my life while they are having to live in tents and go to battle. I can't do this. So he just slept at the door of David's house all night. After that, David sent a note by the hand of Uriah to Joab, who was the captain of David's army. And he told Joab, put Uriah in the front line of the battle and then have the troops back up from Uriah. David wanted to kill him. It was obvious to Joab. Joab did this and Uriah was killed. Then a prophet came to David Nathan the prophet was sent by God to David to show him his sins. And David was sorry for his sins. And you can see in the various Psalms how sorry David was. Psalm 51 in particular, how sorry he was over what he had done. I know this was before Jesus shed his blood. And true, he shed his blood for our sins. But do we ever have memories of those things that we did before we were born again? That we wished we hadn't done? I certainly do. And rather than saying, oh, that's under the blood of Jesus, I have learned, I think, to just cry out to God and say, Oh, please help me with this bad memory, for I have many bad memories of things I've done. Some before I was born again, some after I was born again. I think just calling out to God, please help me with this memory, please help me, is probably the better way to go. The prophet Nathan came to David and showed him that he had sinned. And then the prophet said, you will not die because of this sin. God has set it aside. But there is a penalty. What about that? Is there a penalty? Well, I I believe there is. We can be forgiven that sin, but we do have the memory that I have found lingers. And I believe it was God who explained it this way to me You might eat the whole pizza, and you may be sorry you ate the whole pizza, but that being sorry does not remove the weight that you've gained from eating the whole pizza. When we sin, whether it's before we're born again or after we're born again, God might not kill us. He might let us continue in the body of Christ. But the memory might hang on, and that is most likely a penalty. God pronounced a penalty upon David. He said, Because you have done this, the sword will never depart out of your house. It will be there from now until the end of your life. And God said, I will raise up evil from your own house against you. And that was going to be Absalom. And there was a third penalty, the baby that was David's child, born of Bathsheba while Uriah was still living that baby would die and immediately after the prophet Nathan left David the baby became gravely ill David pled for the life of the child seven days the child lived and then died David wouldn't eat during those seven days he just stayed up on the ground and pled with God. And David told his servants, who really couldn't understand, after the child died, David would eat. Before the child died, David wouldn't eat. And the servants couldn't understand this. And David said, while the child lived, I could plead for him. Maybe God would change his mind. But after the child died, there's nothing I can do. I shall go to the child, but he shall not come back to me. So God raised up Absalom, David's son, to be a sword against David. Absalom fought David and tried to take over the kingdom as long as he lived. He came up with a very shrewd plan. He sat at the gate of the city of Jerusalem. And when people came to the city to ask counsel of David, Absalom said, I will give you counsel. And for 40 years, Absalom did this. And he gained his power base from these people. So when he was ready to strike against David, he had the hearts of the people with him. His power base. Reading once again the penalty that God set against David because of Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband. 2 Samuel chapter 12. God said to David, starting at verse 9, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? For what reason? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, says God, and hast taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and i will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun for thou didst it secretly with bathsheba but i will do this thing before all israel and before the sun And David said to Nathan the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sins. Thou shalt not die, howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. As we read the various things Absalom did against his father David, we really have to remember that God had prophesied that the sword would never depart from David's house, that he would raise up evil against David from his own house as a penalty because of what he had done to Uriah in having sex with Bathsheba and having Uriah murdered. Now, God could have just struck David completely dead for these sins, but he didn't. He set the sins aside, but there was a penalty that was going to follow David the rest of his life. This sets the stage for Absalom to rise against David and to try to take the kingdom from David and to bring evil against David's house, as God said would happen. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that these things of the Old Testament are our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur, complain, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Verse 11, Now all these things of the Old Testament happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. To warn us upon whom the ends of the world are come. So they are our warnings in the last days. And we can learn so much from the Old Testament. Paul says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you, to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The way to escape is there. There is no temptation so great for us in the New Testament church that we cannot escape that temptation. The way of escape is there before us. We must choose to go that way shown us by God in the temptation. And if there's any of you who lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If you don't know how to escape this temptation, ask God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. James chapter 1 verse 5. So the examples that we will be looking at in the days ahead concerning Absalom fighting David, these are warnings for us. These show us things, ways of God, and they are given so those of us who are currently living in the end times can be helped. In every one of the Old Testament examples, I'm always aware that teaching is there to help me today, and I'm looking for that teaching. And this is the same thing that I will be presenting to you in the next few days. As we close today, let's close with Psalm 51 because hopefully you can see that sin carries a penalty. But it's not hopeless. Look at Psalm 51. This is a wonderful prayer that David makes after he has had Uriah killed, and he's seen the baby that he was the father of with Bathsheba killed as a penalty. Psalm 51. Psalms are prayers. The last psalm that David presented, he said, The prayers of David are ended. So know as you read these psalms, they are prayers to God. Psalm 51, a prayer of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba and also had her husband Uriah killed in the battle. David is now praying to God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. When I have been in strife with people, I've often called out to God, Please restore my joy. Please restore my joy in you. Before the end of this day, please restore my joy. And God always answers that prayer. Verse 9, David says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And here's what I love so much is verse 10. And I often pray this over myself. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 13, David says, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praises. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burn offering and the whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. Now we don't kill animals today for sins, but they did in the Old Testament. But so many things about these examples of the Old Testament, I think they're valid today concerning sins in the New Testament. Yes, Jesus paid for our sins. Do we ever remember what we did before we were born again? I do. And I cry out to God in pain when I remember my foolishness. I know my sins are forgiven. But there is pain when I remember them. And the only help that I know that we can have for that pain is God helping us. So I just cry out, when I remember what I've done, I just cry out, oh God help me. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.